I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. That is exactly what I needed to hear. Thank God someone here knows what they're talking about. That's us. That's right. Gotta love this American ride. Right, you need to take the time and get the full picture. I mean, they rev my engine, but they don't belong in the newsroom. It is Anchor Man, not Anchor Lady. What do you want from me? I'm not a Mary, sweet heart. Goodness sake, kid. Keep your voice down. Your father's listening to the radio. I'm not a Mary, sweet heart. This is the Annie Fry Show. So happy to be with you here, filling in for Andy Fry. I'm Ryan Recker. You can find me online, Ryan Recker Radio, and Ryan Wiggins. I got to say, there's this one book. It's a fantastic book. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. It's called The Life of Human. Have you heard of this one? Uh, Leah, have you ever heard of that one? Or no, no. Okay. Uh, it's yeah. I've heard it's pretty good though. It's great. It gets great reviews online. Yeah, it it's does. by a person by the name of let's see, Ryan Wiggins. Yeah, he Wait didn't go a by a minute. pseudonym or anything. Oh, no. Yeah, he, he just used his real name on the book. That was weird. I'm sorry. Same name as you. What a coincidence. <laughs> yeah, isn't that crazy? I went to the library well, the other day, and I uh, saw that they, they highlight local authors, and they had my book up and, uh, in awesome. the library. And that's I thought, so oh, that's, cool. that's cool. And then I looked to see in the, you know, the card catalog thing in the front to see how many times it had been checked out. And to my disappointment, there is no card catalog anymore. <laughs> Right. So don't I do have, that. I have no idea if it has been checked out or how many times, because I would love to know. Did you like pick it up to feel it, see if the pages have been bent, anything like that that would indicate how many times it's been read? Yeah, uh, not really. But I, I, we were at the Ruler Foods um, remote a couple of weeks. Not, not the most recent one, but uh, before that, we were in Collinsville, and a listener, Katie, who tunes in a lot on our chat, actually, uh, she brought my book in for me to sign to ruler foods now it was a library book though she said she said i haven't bought it yet i think she was going to give it a shot and see if it was any good but she asked the columbia library illinois uh if if she could take it to me and have me sign it and they said absolutely go for it so i did sign that book in that library but uh she and she did say she started reading it and liked it enough that she downloaded the ebook so it's so funny. Well, I mean, I, I purchased the book and I forced my wife to read it and she gave it a good review. So I remember I had you on to discuss that after it came out. And wouldn't that be great? You walk into a store or a library and you open it up and it's signed and you're like, wait a minute, that's not my signature. <laughs> you know what's <laughs> what is funny this? is a bunch of people at the Brian Kilmead event. The line was pretty long at his event. And so a couple of people asked me to sign Brian's book. <laughs> I was like, I <laughs> guess I can. I don't know. But it had to be weird if they went up to get Brian's signature after mine. Yeah. If it was already signed by Ryan. Well, I figured this topic would be one you would enjoy, transhumanism, which makes sense that you know what that is. How would you define transhumanism? Uh, it's it's moving back and forth between being a human and not being a human. So just like transgenderism would be moving back and forth between genders, this is moving back and forth within your species. Oh, well, I, I guess this is a little bit different than the way I read this through the article. So... Essentially, what they were saying was people using technology integrated into their body. Oh, so, okay. 
Okay. This might be a little bit different. So it's in like that enhanced sense. humans. Right, exactly. So, you know, some people have implants or the idea that there'd be implants in the future that may modify you in some sort of way that you'd use in your daily life. I think in a way we looked at it as like, okay, let's put a chip in your brain and you'll be able to remember more things. Or let's say, I don't know, you had a stroke and you can't you, you can't use your hand, but now you can because that fixed it. Or one of your eyes went out and you're blind in the left eye. But, you know, you put a plant chip in there and then next thing you know, the robotic eye can help you see again. You know, you know 2020 I think, vision. I think that that definition actually still does work for this because what they're saying is now a part of you is not human. A part of you is robotic or is made of technology. So you are enhanced. You're moving yeah. away from being purely human. So the author of this opinion piece on the Hill, his first name's Zoltan, which... That's a strong first name. This is what you have Ist, to do if your name is Zoltan. Zoltan Istvan is the person's name. And it sounds like Pig Latin. Maybe it is. <laughs> and I'm just not catching this. So Zoltan writes about this and he says that while some express concerns about the ethical implications of a potential risks advocating for the preservation of, quote unquote, natural humanity, there is a compelling case to be made for embracing technological enhancements beyond the means of just improving the human experience. So his argument is in the future, the technology is going to advance to the point where we're going to have to allow the integration of technology into our bodies. And we're going to have to go beyond that. We have to accept that as equal to natural human bodies. And you can't discriminate against someone that may have sort of a technological advantage. So we look at the trans debate that goes on today. And a lot of times we focus on things like, you know, guys in women's sports in the natural advantages that men have when it comes to sportings. And you can debate that here today. He's saying, and this goes even further. For example, if someone has a biological arm and you can throw a pitch at 150 miles an hour, you have to treat that the same as anyone else on the baseball team. Like he's saying that, in order for the rights to be, you know, rights of people, integration of electronics or chips or any type of technology has to be treated equally as any other person that may not have it. And that's what transhumanism is going to have to be in the future. Uh, that's going to be tough. Do you remember that golfer who they were saying um, had an advantage because I think he he had uh, one artificial leg or something <clears throat> like that? I, I'm not getting the story exactly right, but it was involving a golfer who had some sort of enhanced body limb or something. And they said, mm -hmm. no, you can't. Um, oh, you know what? It was just that he he had to ride in a cart to get to his shots. Right. That's what it was. I remember that. Um, but it was because he couldn't walk. And so that kind of stuff is stuff we're already kind of dealing with, and I'm sure we'll continue to. So I knew a dude that lost a finger, like a half a finger when he was younger, and he said in high school that gave him an advantage as a pitcher because he can throw the ball differently because of his stub. And maybe we're looking at it the wrong way. Instead of adding things to the body, we need to start taking things out to make us better. Yeah, that's all. That's my concern is not that we would be um, discriminating against the people with chips in their brains. It's that the people with the chips in their brains would eventually start discriminating against the people without the chips in their brains. Because those people yeah. are going to be super smart and they are going to be able to figure out how to do a lot of things that we chipless brain people will not. Right. So let me read you a part of this opinion piece and then you'll kind of know some of the basic beliefs of this person without actually knowing Zoltan. It says the changing environment, including global warming, provide another reason to upgrade ourselves. And then he goes on to talk about how this can actually help fight global warming. So... <laughs> Does it all go back to either racism or uh, let's just say, does it all go back to race and global warming anymore when it comes to justifications for everything? <laughs> I was really hoping that we were just kidding about that in the first segment. But no. to hear this guy saying that these enhancements are all, like, it's like they're trying to find a way to be included in the international community. Like, oh, this is, this is what, what they, they have to like. Do. I'll just say no, that. It's, I'll say it, it might be less about inclusion into the international community and more about, hey, I think I'll be eligible for federal dollars if I mention global warming That's and I can get true. some money out of the government. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I found that uh, if you use this fake wrist, it could maybe solve racism. <laughs> like, oh, my gosh, give that guy money.
Yeah, exactly. And then Rand Paul writes about it a couple of years later and then we all mock it. But, you know, <laughs> here we are. Uh, it says the unchanging environment, including global warming, provide another reason to upgrade ourselves. Technological enhancements could provide us with the tools needed to thrive in an unpredictable world. From developing resistance to extreme temperatures to new drugs that allow us to survive on less food. It, somehow it goes back to the eating bugs thing too, doesn't it? Uh, these enhancements could empower us to meet the challenges of the 21st century. So how would you like to know that, let's say, the person has a bionic arm and he's a boxer. Uh, so what do you have to do to counter that? You have to have a bionic brain plate to, to like counteract how this is going to punch you on the side of the face. And they also say that we need to embrace morphological freedom in transhumanist concept that insists that everyone should have the ability to prove their bodies how they wish, as long as it doesn't hurt others. Again, is this going back to the regular trans debate, except that we're adding robot parts now? You know what? It really is a real debate that's going to happen at some point. It, it may not be within the next five years, but maybe 10 years from now, the Olympic committee is going to have to look at, okay, this guy uh, had some sort of you know, I had his hip removed and replaced with some like super hip that can go 360 degrees or something crazy. That stuff's uh-huh. going to be real at some point. I know. So they'll ask you to pee in a cup and they detect WD-40 or something in there. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can tell you're using robot parts. <laughs> There's oil in there. Uh, how about Life of Human 2? Could this be a plot point? Well, hey, I don't want to give away the, the end of Life of Human 1. But yeah. it does lead there. Like so. I said, I forced my wife to read it because she's the avid reader. And we did a full book review. And she did tell me well, how it ended. And I don't remember because it's been a couple of years. Maybe I'll force her to read it again. <laughs> yeah, one, there's a there's a big surprise as to one of the fate of one of the characters at, at the end. that leads yeah. well into a number two. But I, yeah, I got to thank perfect. you for mentioning that, though. Uh, I, it is always one of my greatest pleasures in life when somebody comes up and says, hey, I read your book and I liked it. That's, that's just one of yeah. the greatest compliments I could ever get. I know. And here's the, <laughs> the book. This is I hope you find this funny and not offensive. So we were reading it and my wife, uh, she said, so since it's your friend, do I have to give it a better rating than I normally would? And I said, no, I want you to be honest when you read this book. And she actually really liked it. So she was actually honest the way she said it. I appreciate so it. I'm not just pandering to you during all of this. You yeah. probably get that sometimes too. Like, wow, I don't want you to be offended. Like, oh, you're surprised that I could write a book. <laughs> you know, one of the things that she was really impressed by is that you didn't have like a full-time editor. Didn't you say you had your wife help you with that? Well, my wife is a very good editor. She's an English teacher. Oh. So I, technically, I don't have a, a an official editor, but my wife is pretty darn good at it. So, right, and she's uh, cheaper. Right, yeah, you save some money, <laughs> exactly. save some money, honey. That's what you say. Well, this is how we do it. Keep it inside the family. Uh, do you still sell books? Like, do you get a notification every time a book is sold? I don't get a notification, but I do get monthly reports, and yeah, it's just like consistent. Not not like it's a deluge of book sales, but it's consistent. Yeah. Did you sell more than Hillary Clinton's book? Like, didn't it come out and she sold like 150 copies or something like that? I, don't, I remember that story. I don't remember what the number was. But it <laughs> she was... had to go to a Costco, the toilet paper section to sell them. <laughs> well, you know what's funny is that, that musicians do this a lot now, and they do it in the book industry too, where if you have a big author or a big musician, the week of their release, their own company will buy hundreds of thousands of copies of the book or the, the CD or whatever. Right. Download. Um, because that pushes them up in the charts, oh, and right. then they get positive reporting, and then, oh, it's number one on New York Times bestseller list. Oh, that must mean it's good. Then mm-hmm. a lot of people buy it. That's that's the game now. So how many copies did you buy for yourself? Yeah. Four. And oh, it okay. didn't do a whole lot, because you get, four, you get, you get <laughs> a, a handful of author copies for yourself if you want them, and I took You have to buy your own one. book. Yeah, you, have to, you do. You get to buy your own book. Who was that? It was uh, on Fox. Is it Pete Hegseth? Is that is he still with Fox? Yeah. Uh, yeah. He had to go buy his own book. I remember him telling me that story. I had him on when it came out. And he said he had to go buy his own book in the store because he didn't have a copy, but someone wanted it. So he said, oh, I'll just go buy you a copy. <laughs> so he had to go to the store to buy his own book. Yeah, unless you have a great you know, publisher, which nobody does anymore, um, they, they'll send you some copies of your own book. Otherwise... It's some third party. It's being printed in Missoula, Montana, and you're getting a copy just like everybody else is. Yeah. Uh, Zoltan Istvan was the author of The Transhumanism and saying that our survival depends on us embracing 
human enhancements as not just a choice, but in general, a species. Um, I, I do think there is a difference between someone that uses it to turn back a disability or something that prevents them from having a somewhat normal life. And I use that term normal, meaning that if you depend on someone else to take care of your basic needs, that's a very difficult thing. So if you can find technology, a way to turn that around and you can be self-sufficient when you weren't before, that's a fantastic use of the technology. But to go even beyond it and even further to say that if someone uses it to, oh, I don't know, perfect the fastball and you have to treat them like any other baseball player, then, okay, come on, let's be real here. Let's use technology responsibly and not have this fantasy that if everything goes, if it's uh, discovered and invented. Well, you know what's going to happen is that eventually these enhancements are going to get so good and so real that somebody's going to go, you know what? The average person can run six miles an hour. I can only run three miles an hour. Therefore, I need new legs. And so mm-hmm. it's, it's a, they're going to declare everything to be a disability so that you can oh. always be upgrading yourself. Look at me walking around with these old meat bags on, exactly. on below the knees. I need something better. So then they just like opt for surgery to get rid of their working body part in order to have something that's more mechanical that can help them. Uh, that's kind of interesting. Check the tape. Uh, check it in 10 years. Come back. That's all you need. 10 years. Yep. Okay. Close. Okay. Uh, mark the tape, Leah. 10 years from now, we'll revisit this <laughs> on this very day. Sounds good. Uh, all right. Joining us uh, after the break. I gave a a message to Brad Young and I said, this is kind of an interesting legal question that's coming out of a college in Detroit regarding a student that believes he was discriminated against. I can't wait to hear your guys' reaction to this. And I told Brad Young, we're not going to spend a whole segment on this, but just I wanted to get his take on it. So uh, imagine this, you're 400 pounds, you're 44 years old, you want to be a gym teacher, but you don't actually want to go to school to report for your job. Is that discrimination if they don't hire you? We'll talk about that coming up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on 97.1 FM Talk. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The Annie Fry Show is streaming online. Watch us live on YouTube and subscribe. Welcome back. I'm Brian Recker filling in for Andy Fry here. And I saw this one lawsuit that was filed in Detroit where I'm located. It was a 44-year-old student who wants to be a gym teacher. So he goes through Wayne State University and goes through the schooling to become a gym teacher. And gets to the point where you have to get your in-school practicum credit. You have to actually get hands-on experience 
to get your teaching degree. Well, the dude's 400 plus pounds. And he said, you know what? I don't think I'm going to do that. I just want to remote in on my computer. So they said that you can't get practical experience that way. You can't get your teaching certificates if you don't go and follow the program. And he said, you're discriminating against me. I want a million dollars. So to talk about this lawsuit, joining us now from Hairstyle Fisher and Young. Brad Young, how are you? Ryan, it is great to talk to you, my friend. It's been way too long, but whenever there's a legal story like this, you're the first person I think of. I don't know why, but uh, so the guy is 400 pounds, 44 years old. So he's not your typical out of high school type of college student. Someone that may be thinking about a second career or maybe just took a long time to get the first one. Who knows? He wants to be a gym teacher, but he wants to do it remotely through Zoom. So do you think because of how big he is? His claim that the reason they don't want to graduate him is because he's overweight could fly in a courtroom, and he may actually have a chance at being successful in this lawsuit. Well, first of all, I know when I step on a scale, the scale comes up and says one person at a time, and, and <laughs> I'm not, you know, I'm not 400 pounds. So, uh, yeah, this is a big guy. But we, first of all, we need to talk about what does the AD does the ADA even apply here? And it's interesting that in federal courts. Uh, going back uh, 20 years, the courts initially said that extreme obesity does not qualify for ADA protection. But then courts kind of went the other way and they said, well, if it's just because the guy is really heavy, then ADA may not apply. But if it's due to an underlying disease or condition, then it does apply. And in this case, uh, the guy says that he has diabetes, uh, he has hypertension, he has asthma, and that all of those conditions contribute to him being obese. So first of all, the ADA does apply in this situation. Okay. Now, I think to myself, if I was a hiring principal at a school and this dude said, you know what, I want to be your gym teacher, you're just going to have to roll the TV in every day so I can do this from my own couch – I'd right. be thinking to myself, oh, please, I don't want to get sued. I don't know what to say in a situation like this. I, you know, that's a great point. But as I as I drilled into this story that you sent me, yeah. Ryan, I looked at it. He was supposed to student teach at this yeah. school called Dearborn Public Schools. And according to the lawsuit, now we don't know whether this is true or not, but at least according to the lawsuit, the, the plaintiff here alleges that Dearborn said that they would allow him to student teach a virtual physical education program, but that the university, Wayne State, wouldn't allow it. So that, uh -huh. that's a whole different wrinkle here because it's not that, 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 Wayne, that Dearborn Public School said, dude, you can't, you can't teach PE you know, when you're the size of three or four people. You can't do that. that that's not what happened here. He claims the school said, fine. Uh, and, and apparently, again, they roll in a TV while you're going up a rope. You know, I don't know how this is going to work, but <laughs> and he says, come on, go, go, go. And it's over the TV. It's like, you know, it's like a Max Headroom from years ago where it's just a talking head and a TV. But the, according to him, the school said yes. It was the university that said no. Why would the school say yes to that, number one? You're you're robbing the kids of an experience of gym, which is probably the favorite, favorite class for half of the people in that school. Anyway. Sure. And the other favorite class uh, for the other half is lunch. Uh, those are always the two, number one and two. So, um, okay. So if the school says they would have signed off on it, but Wayne State University's argument is that's not how we run this program. We don't want to be the one that certifies you for not doing it the way we want you to do it. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe the guy just gets his degree from a different college. Is that the right answer? Or can you think this lawsuit might actually fly and this guy actually has a chance at it? I don't know that I want to use the word fly in conjunction with a 400-pound plaintiff because, you know, that's more like flying like a stone. But, but no, but my point here is, is that uh, the, the next legal question, and I'll make it very brief, is whether it applies to students, whether universities have to comply with the ADA when it comes to dealing with students. And they do under Title III of the ADA. So when you put all this in a blender, Ryan, what comes out? Well, what comes out is, is that he has a plausible cause of action here, and we don't know whether he'll be successful or not, because that will depend on the facts, which all we know at this point is his allegation. But his, he pleads a valid cause of action against the university, uh, and if the, facts, if the facts are what he claims they are, yeah, this guy could actually recover. 
Oh boy. Let me just say this. Um, I think that <laughs> it's so hard not to be comical in a situation like this. I know. It sometimes is. you don't want to take advice from like, let's say you go in and you need to lose weight and your doctor's 400 pounds and they give you advice. You're like, okay, like I'm going to listen to this guy. If your gym teacher's 400 pounds and can't get up and it's rolled in on a TV screen, like how serious are the kids going to take that? Well, and I don't know. Sure. I don't it, it, to me, and to me, Ryan, it, it seems like as if, if, if Stevie Wonder applies to be the driver's ed teacher, you're going to say, well, wait a minute. Wait a minute here. Because <laughs> uh, you, you don't want Stevie Wonder teaching driver's ed, right? Yeah. Um, and, and this would, it seems like that at first blush. But if, in fact, the school said they would have allowed him to do the virtual ed program uh, virtually, uh, then, yeah, there might be actual cause of action here. Brad Young, this is Ryan Wiggins. Hello, my friend. Hey, Ryan. Great to hear your voice, my friend. Um, so I, from an outsider's perspective, looking into the law, in my lifetime, and, and especially within the last 10 to 20 years, it just seems as if whether it's gender or sexuality or, in this case, finding almost like new disabilities, it, it, it looks as if they're finding new rights within American law or within the American Constitution that never existed before. Is that the intent of the Constitution is to make it to where it is kind of movable like that with the times? Or are we applying things to the Constitution that were never intended? You know, that's a great question. And, and here's, here's the answer. First of all, the Constitution is designed to be changeable or what's called mutable in only one way, and that's you amend the Constitution. That's the only way you can change the Constitution. What we're talking about here today is not a constitutional doctrine, but a, 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 it's a concept that's, that arises because Congress passed the Americans with Disabilities Act back in the 70s, and they amended it in the 90s. And so this is, uh, this is the law, pardon the phrase, the law of unattended consequences. Because when the ADA was published, or rather, rather when the ADA was enacted into law, I don't think anyone envisioned that obesity would be considered a disability. But now this is the extrapolation of federal law, not constitutional law, but federal law being applied in ways that the people who drafted the law simply never envisioned. Brad, when I see a lot of these, th these cases being played out, I mean, we're talking about kind of a goofy case. It's fun to talk about. It has no real consequence for us personally. You know, it's just kind of a crazy case. But you approach this and you go, you know what? There actually is, like I heard you saying, there could be legal merit here. That seems to be the way that all cases should be taken is by the letter of the law, not necessarily with my opinion of the law, but here's mm -hmm. what the law says, so here's how I have to apply it, which is not the way that we see, at least when we talk about politics nowadays, that's not the way it seems to me that we're seeing the law being applied. Well, yeah, and, and listen, my, my real law, I mean, I, I get to play around on 97.1, and I love doing it, I love filling in, uh, but my real job is employment law. That's what I do day in and day out at my law firm, and I defend companies that are, are being sued in employment law situations. We've actually had cases dealing with obesity. Uh, it's, it, it is uh, a reality of our ever-increasing size of our society, and I don't mean population-wise, I mean waist size, and, and this is becoming more and more prevalent. I can tell you multiple cases that my firm has defended uh, where em employees are saying, listen, I'm fat, deal with it, you've got to accommodate me, and that's what the ADA is designed to do, maybe not in this way, but it's a growing trend in litigation. All right. This is what I propose. The LBR Act, which is the Let's Be Realistic Act. <laughs> so <laughs> let's, let's be realistic here for a moment. And if there's something that happens and you have to lower your chin and then you like look over your glasses, it's one of those type of moments. The LBR mm -hmm. Act kicks in. Um, let's be real here. I don't want to, I don't think any employer should have to be put in that position where they're going to get sued because... Come on, let's be real. The guy can't do the job if he's, you know, properly do the job, I would argue, that a gym teacher would be necessary to do. Right, but that's not really the argument here, though, Ryan. The this argument isn't, no. isn't about employment. The argument is, should the university be forced to give him a degree? 
And uh, in this instance, if he meets all of the criteria of getting the degree and if the school said we would have allowed him to do this video student teaching, then really you have to say, should a university make the decision that they're not going to give a guy a degree just because, you know, it, it, he's extremely obese? And, and listen, people get degrees for everything these days, and I think uh, that there's a he, – he at least ostensibly meets all the, all the requirements for a cause of action for saying, hey, you can't withhold my degree just because I'm fat. You know, he should have just went to University of Phoenix. It's online anyway, and they wouldn't have had this problem to begin with. Well, no, he should have gone. He should have gone to the University of Subway, and you know, he could have <laughs> lost. Yeah, like Jared did. Like yeah. he could have lost the weight, like Jared. Uh, of course, exactly. we don't want to really bring up Jared's name anymore because uh, you know he's he's living at the Gray Bar Motel now. Uh, but uh, but yeah, he could have gone to the University of Subway, and he would have lost the weight. Got it. All right. I thought we were only going to do a partial segment here. We ended up doing the whole thing. Hopefully I didn't keep you too long, Brad Young. This is such a fascinating lawsuit. Thanks for breaking it down for us. It is. No, you you can take all the time you want because I'm going to send you a bill. Not a problem. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, boy. Uh, Luckily, I'm illiterate and I can't read that bill. So I don't know if that gives me any defenses. Uh, Okay, Brad Young joining us here. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Brad. Uh, Coming up after the break. Uh, MSNBC apparently is bringing Chris Matthews back. How long has Chris Matthews been on the air over there? Like, is it just a holiday fill-in deal? Because the last two days in a row, he said some really outlandish things. And I wanted to run a few of those by you because I really think that he, as a broadcaster, thinks, I'm going to say the dumbest, craziest things I can possibly say. And then, since it's MSNBC, they'll be forced to give me my show back. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Get about all these other sexual harassment allegations and things that were brought up against me. So we're going to bring that up after the break. I'm Ryan Recker filling in on 97.1 FM Talk. Find the podcast, on-demand audio, and more at 971talk.com slash Annie. And I give up forever to touch you. Welcome back. All right, so I wanted to play some Chris Matthews for you. And honestly, I didn't realize that he was being used on air at MSNBC. Did you realize Chris Matthews was back? No, I don't watch MSNBC, but I guess the clip factory is probably churning out some clips if he's saying crazy stuff. 
Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, I'll give you an option here. Do you want to talk about uh, rural hick voters or abortion? Chris Matthews take. Which one do you want to go first? Ooh, uh, let's I think I want to hear about rural hick voters from him most. So we'll save the best for last and we'll go with abortion first. Does that work? All right. Let's do that. Okay. Okay, Here is Chris Matthews take on abortion in the election. And let's uh, digest this together. We saw in Ohio where women, I guess mostly women, decided that here's a chance to protect abortion rights. And, you know, sometimes uh, the Dobbs decision, for example, you think it's going to break it one way or break it the other way. It broke it a totally different direction. Uh, Abortion rights was about trimesters during a, a Roe v. Wade. It was very simple. You had more personal freedom in the beginning of your term and then later more societal involvement and, and more less more restrictive. So that changed it to a freedom issue. The way people talk now about abortion is do I have a personal freedom over my body or don't I? And th- in other words, it went the other way. They thought they were going to open it up to uh, to restrictions that opened it the other way. And now I think uh, much more of a freedom agenda. So when people vote for abortion rights, they're voting for personal freedom. Okay, so Chris Matthews, the way he breaks down the abortion debate is if you really like freedom, then you have to be okay with abortion. Uh, What do you think? Is that a good take? (laughs) Uh, That's the take that you're going to hear. I actually did my whole Wiggins America yesterday on the two issues that you're going to hear the most from Democrat media. This is one of them. Of course, he's going to yell about it. In fact, all of the Democrat media is going to yell about this because they believe that it's a winner. And so far, that has been proven right for them. Um, What I said in that, and I'll say it again today, is that you will never, in their arguments, ever hear about the rights of the baby because they don't want you to keep your eye on the ball. They want to get your eye off of the idea that this is not just affecting one life, but it's affecting two. Right. And if you go back also and look at some of the arguments in the extreme nature of abortion, Governor Ralph Northam in Virginia even going as far as saying that abortion includes infanticide so you can make a decision after the birth is made. Uh, Hillary Clinton, you talk about going even up until the moment before birth. We're saying moments before a delivery of a child would be acceptable because abortion is 100% up to the woman and the life of the child itself is not a non-factor. And that's why you call it right to life, because the life that is in there is a life and that needs to be recognized and that has rights, meaning that they need to also recognize that. Um, so his take is that men and women together can decide on this. We don't really need a constitution or anything else. We need to just look at this as a straight freedom issue. And then we can decide on our own as a society, meaning that if it's swung so far to one side, who needs a constitution or courts? We can just decide on this on our own. And society has spoken. We all want abortions unrestricted all the time. That's the world that Chris Matthews lives in. Well, he he is hitting on one key point there that is true that this is now being framed as a freedom issue much more than a life or right to life issue. And mm-hmm. that will continue to be the case because that's what wins at the ballot box for Democrats. I'm going to go back to 2012, that election. And I'm going to tell you one of the things I was afraid of during 2012 is that you're going to get someone that's an independent that is like a Rand Paul, for example, that is looked at as more as a libertarian. Maybe that's a better way to put it. And they would be so much so a libertarian that they would make this argument that it's a freedom issue and they should be free to abort a child if they so choose. And that's something that I worried about. I thought maybe libertarians would go as far as believing that. But the exact opposite has happened. You find that even those that are, I mean, like the Patriot or Braveheart style, like libertarian, like they want to live off the grid and they want to own machine guns type of people. In tanks, they want bazookas. You know what I'm talking about. That's how much freedom they want. They are even against abortion. Um, and what does that mean? It means that the recognition of a life and that life has rights, and you are infringing on those rights by killing them. It's unjustified to do so. And okay, I was actually pleasantly surprised that even the libertarian argument wasn't going as far as that. It just seems like basically Democrat and then far liberal are the ones that are advocating. Um, Do you want to hear the other Chris Matthews take? Yeah, I do. Angry, angry redneck hicks are uh, going to be a problem in this upcoming election. This is the one I think from yesterday. But I tell you, it's very tough because 
people that didn't go to college have a pretty good rage on their hands. They had, and that's a, what you really want in an election is a rage. It can be black rage or white rage or rural rage. In this case, it's rural rage. They are so angry at the liberal establishment, the coastal elite. They look at people on television. They say, oh, those people on Saturday Night Live, those snarling rich kids. I know who they are. They, they're all trust funders. They don't need they don't have to worry about us. And, and the regular guy in the country goes, there they are snarling and making fun of us again. And every time we make fun of Trump, we're making fun of them. That's the weird. Uh, it's a weird thing. But in a way, it's like fighting terrorism. I mean, you know, we think we just put the army in or Israel just puts the IDF and they're going to solve the problem. It never solves the problem because you enrage people. And we did it with Afghanistan and we did it with Iraq. We enraged the enemy to the point where they're more fiery than ever and they hate us more than ever. OK, so there's a lot to unpack there. Number one, I never looked at SNL as entitled rich kids. I always looked at them as unfunny comedians that are super woke. That's how I look at them today. Because a lot of these comedians come from really poor backgrounds because, you know, they're in comedy. They don't, it's not very lucrative unless you hit it big on like an SNL. And even so, they don't pay you a huge amount of money to be on SNL. But the point they're making is people look at that as if they're being mocked, and they are, because that's what they do on programs like that. And there's a certain amount of elitism, the West Coast, uh, East Coast stuff. And they don't really identify with middle America, the one, the flyover states. That's well documented. And he's saying that you guys are basically terrorists because you live in this rural area and you don't confine with the same people that are these elites. Thus, you're looked at as essentially terroristic voters. Uh, what do you think of that, Chris uh, Matthews take there? I hear what you're saying. I didn't take it that way. I, I disagreed with some of the things he was saying toward the end about the reason why terrorists feel emboldened now i i think that's that's a different issue but he's comparing i i think he, what he's trying to compare anyway is an ideological war that's being fought and he's saying look if the idf could solve terrorism by just using blunt force this would be over right now but he's talking about you're trying to change people's minds and when you're trying to change people's minds that's a lot mm -hmm. tougher to do because they've already made up their minds in a lot of ways and so he compares rural voters, mid-America. I mean, he says rural, but we're in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm looking at downtown Missouri or downtown St. Louis and going, well, this isn't rural, but we're a red state. Mm -hmm. So I think he's just talking about conservative voters in general um, as being ideologically dug in. And I think he's right yeah. about that. And, we've, and, and Trump tapped into this in 2016. He tapped into yeah. this right through 2020 and up till now he still is. That there is a large contingency. I would say it's the bulk of conservative voters who feel completely overlooked by America's major institutions. Mm. And that's what so, he's saying. You have to, They almost have to fight on the ideological stage instead of the, you know, just turn out your voter stuff. All right. So I know what's happening here. So do you know who Tom Elliott is? No. So Tom Elliott, he's a guy that does a lot of these clips. I think he started Grabian, which is very popular in the talk industry. And he compiled the top 10 most mortifying media moments of 2023. I was thinking about going through those top 10 moments uh, tomorrow on the show. But there was one of those moments where he compiles where Democrat strategists talk about this. They don't call them terrorists, but they say Republicans need a deprogramming. So what you are describing is essentially... You can't get through to them. You need to deprogram them. So what you're saying, Chris Matthews is saying, is basically a roundabout way of deprogramming Republicans because they have been brainwashed, essentially, is what you're, you're thinking I, that's I, uh, being I, said? I do. I don't know that he's saying he's going that far right there, but I do think that's the logical outcome is to say that, well, we, we already control the major institutions. We got the media. We got a lot of the government. We got education. We got higher education for sure. Um, we have all these institutions, and yet these stubborn conservatives won't come around to seeing things our way. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> well, th there really is only one more option, and that's to well either silence them, which they've already attempted to do and are t attempting to do, or deprogram them or basically uh, marginalize them. And I think they're doing all of those things actively at the same time. Can I play that part, the media talking about deprogramming? I have it queued up. Heck yeah. Let me do that. So here's a compilation of the CNNs, the MSNBCs of the world, talking about deprogramming Republicans because, well, I mean, let's be real, uh, they are brainwashed, right? So we're going to have to get them in there and deprogram. And when do they break with him? 
you know, because at some point, you know, maybe there needs to be a formal deprogramming of the cult members. Deprogramming that might work in other cases is um, it's obviously proven to be difficult. That any exposure uh, to children about LGBT people uh, is automatically grooming. How do you fix it? How do you undo it? Well, at this point, you know, it's deprogramming. That's what we're being fed. People uh, of other races are out to get you. We accept that. We get fed that. And so when that doorbell rings or the basketball comes into your yard, your first response is to pull that gun. It's a, it's a programming that's occurring. The deprogramming question is much tougher to answer. All right. So you catch that? Isn't it interesting that all these different media types use the same word? across the board over and over again, like it's a coordinated effort. Um, so the idea, you're right, that you have been, it's not your fault. Guys, listen, Republicans, it's not your fault. You've been tricked. You just need to accept that you've been wrong, in wronged, and then it'll be up to us to reprogram you. Tell me that doesn't sound like a cult or Scientology type of thing. Oh my gosh, thinking. yeah, especially coming from, those are mainstream media outlets. I recognize some of the voices. And then what they're Hillary saying- Hillary Clinton off the bat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, what they're saying is that all of our attempts to help you have failed. We now need to put you through clockwork orange training. <laughs> yeah, clockwork orange. And, That's a good and example. reprogram yeah. your brain because, look, we've given you all that you need to come to the conclusion that we have predetermined for you, and you still haven't. Therefore, it is our moral duty to change your mind, maybe even against your will, but it's, be it's for the greater good. So trust us. Yeah. Wow. So those are the two Chris Matthews takes. He's, I think he's just finding a roundabout way of bringing that up in some ways. I, I think he makes some good points. There was another survey that came out, and this is kind of fascinating. But by the way, those are the that's just one of the top 10 most mortifying media moments. I'm going to do that on tomorrow's show. I'm just going to go through all 10 because why not? Um, so there's another study that came out that I don't know if you saw this. One in five young Americans have a positive view of Osama bin Laden. How is that possible? I, I think about my generation, and I was 18 when September 11th happened. So I was in college, and I don't think at the time I was mature enough to fully digest everything that was happening. Like, I saw it as like, oh, wow, that stinks. But I, I don't think I fully was able to comprehend the gravity of a situation of planes flying into buildings. It was just like, this is a crazy thing. It's almost like I'm watching a movie. But the political aspect in, you know, the lives and how everything was going to change after a moment like that, all the ramifications of it, I was oblivious because then later you find out a lot of these things. Um, but I'm not that far removed from Osama bin Laden. When they do a study, I, I don't know how in the world that people even my age can look at Osama bin Laden as a positive person, as in someone that is looked at favorably to the tune of nearly 20 percent, depending on what uh, demographic you're looking at. That, it shocks me. So between the ages of 18 and 29, 20% of those respondents looked at Osama bin Laden positively. Does that shock you? That does shock me, but it is a direct result of the philosophy that is so common in America now, especially among youth and among the education, higher education, that America is at its core evil. It is run by evil people. It is run by mostly white males and whiteness is evil and patriarchy is evil. And statistically, a lot of those things aren't even true, but it doesn't matter because hmm. it's, it's the philosophy first that makes you feel a certain way. And then you have a generation of these people who were not alive for nine 11, or they were so little that they didn't really know what was going on that they're, they're now rebelling against what they're told to be the great evil of America hmm. and saying, well, this guy was fighting against what I'd consider to be evil, too, so I identify with him. Yeah, okay, I'm just going to say this out loud just for the sake of trying to gauge. Do you think there's any difference between people that look at Osama bin Laden positively and people that look at Adolf Hitler positively? Is there a difference between those two? Yeah, there's a difference. Um, I, I do think, yeah, that's not the same thing, but ultimately it'll get there eventually that there's going to be a lot of crossover. <laughs> Meaning that they may be actively engaging in hate crimes or, you know, anti-Semitic feelings if you're in the case of Hitler. But maybe the Osama bin Laden sympathizers don't necessarily have a hate towards a certain religion. I don't know. I, I don't know. What would be they, the difference then? I don't know that they always know exactly what they're believing in. I think they're just hmm. believing against 
whatever is like the 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 thing of the moment. And it's it's very instinctive and not really well thought through. So the type of people that respond to surveys like this are the same people that if you were to stop them on the street and say, name five presidents, they wouldn't be able to do that. So I they're talking so. like real low information type of people. I, I do think so, yeah. Possibly. All right. Uh, th- we have another hour of the Annie Fry Show coming up. I'm Ryan Recker filling in. Don't go anywhere. 97.1 FM Talk. Where everything's made to be broken, I just want you to know who I am. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.